With 12 days to go until election day, the stakes have never been higher. Polling is starting to become more erratic. Politicians are dodging more scrutiny. Policies are tumbling under the weight of their own inconsistencies. And Andrew Neil continues to be a thorn in the side of politicians. God bless Andrew Neil. At Backbench, to continue our conversations with series, today we have someone who's a wavering voter, but who's leaning to vote Labour. I'm Mihir Joshi, and this is Backchat. Here now, with more news, debate, and opinion. So today on Backchat's general election um, series, Conversations With, we've got John Obiona, who was Features Editor for Warwick's award-winning student newspaper. He made me say the award-winning bit. <laughs> um, the Ball. And he also worked at The Sun as a reporter last year. So we have someone with real journalistic pedigree. Um, so how are you doing, John? Uh, how have you been? Yeah, I've been really great today. Thanks for here. And um, yeah, first of all, thank you for actually having me today on Backchat. Is Really exciting to be talking about the election and yeah, doing well, bit tired, had two essays due yesterday, but you know, got through it, so doing well. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I had to have you on having known you for a while, you know, and I know you have some pretty good political views as well, so hopefully we can get a lot of traction today. Exactly, you know, we've been living together for like the past two years and loads of our conversations have been literally, you know, whilst we have quite opposing views, it's really good to engage and discuss and debate about them, so yeah. It absolutely is. So let's kick off. Um, which way are you leaning currently then? So which way do you think you will be voting? And do you want to just go through quickly why? Okay, yeah. So um, right now I'm still kind of wavering. I think I'm probably going to be voting Labour. Uh, I'm less decisive than I was with the 2017 election, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because like, as I've been at uni, I've kind of found that my views have sort of shifted from being much more tribal towards one party Whereas now I'm much more looking at who says what. I'm much more interested in what the, the policies actually are rather than looking towards one party. So, yeah, I think right now I'm most likely going to vote for Labour, but there's still, you know, two weeks at least to go. So, yeah, just going to keep a firm eye on the election. I mean, that's surprising, isn't it? Because most people turn more tribal as they get to university. Exactly. Yeah. Like I came in thinking that, you know, you hear about all these uh, politicians and academics, you know, Swinging one way or the other, there's loads like, um, I think, was it uh, Ed Miliband, who was like a Marxist at university? I thought I might end up something similar to like him, but you know, I've actually found that my views have sort of shifted. I'm much more interested in the actual policies. Who says what? Let's look at Labour, let's look at the Conservatives. Thank God you didn't end up a Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, still got a few more months of uni, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, subtle political opinion there from the host, not great. Um, so, I mean, just to continue our general election chat, so have you thought about voting tactically at all? Um, has that ever crossed your mind, or, or is that just not something that you've considered? Um, no, not personally. I haven't really uh, thought about voting tactically, though you know, I've seen on Twitter, I've seen the debates, People have, there's um, different seats. I know in uh, David Gork's seat, I think he's standing as an independent. I believe Dominic Grieve is as well. I'm not 100% sure, but I know in those sort of constituencies, there's a lot of tactical voting. One thing that I've seen, there was an interesting Guardian article. There was an interesting Guardian article, which actually, um, for university students, they they uh, had an article which said, uh, it looks at basically the margins of different constituencies. So from where I live at home in Slough, it, it voted firmly Labour with... Tan Desi, whereas in Leamington, um, right now is Matt Weston, the current MP, though he's got a much uh, slimmer majority. So 
I haven't been looking at I haven't been uh, looking at whether to vote tactically, but I've actually been looking at whether it's my vote be more effective in Leamington, where I'm at university, or whether it'll be more effective back home in Slough. And so I think it'll be more effective in Leamington because there's a much shorter majority, but I'm still undecided as to where to vote. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, let's open it up a bit more. Let's talk a bit more holistically. So, you know, what have you made of the campaign so far? Do you think Corbyn struggled? I mean, let me just put a personal opinion in there. I think he's, I think he's really struggled. Um, and the dead cat on Monday about, well, was it Monday? It was yesterday, sorry. The dead cat about... <clears throat> Boris wanting to sell the NHS to Americans pretty much, in my eyes, proved that perhaps he's getting a bit desperate. I mean, how do you think... The st- how, how are the main parties kind of stacked up? How have their campaigns been? Well, it's been a very, very um, sort of interesting campaign so far. You know, we've had loads of different events sort of shifting. Um, you've had, you know, um, Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, currently well, the leader of the House before... Uh, the house was adjourned. You know, he had his comments about Grenfell, which were, which were pretty, pretty disgraceful, and sort of the impact that had. In terms of Corbyn, I think what's happened with this election is that the main parties have been trying to dictate the narrative. So Boris has been very firm on "Let's get Brexit done." His slogan, <coughs> Corbyn has been, whereas Corbyn has been very, um, he's tried to align his his party stance on focusing on the injustices in society. So you've got his his sort of attack on um, and criticism of billionaires dodgy landlords, etc., so on and so forth. So Boris has pretty much focused his campaign on the central issue of Brexit, whereas Jeremy Corbyn has tried to shift the narrative onto domestic issues, so looking at the effects of um, austerity, uh, rising homelessness, you know, um, poverty, food bank levels also increasing, uh, the, the NHS as well, and like you said, Mihir, we've seen with uh, yesterday with the unredacted documents that he published about the NHS being for sale, it has, I think it has hit through to some extent, but also I think the Tories been very much able to redact and sort of refute those claims. So all all in all, is is it's an interesting debate. We've also seen with the polls as well. Um, Tories have been pretty much on a 10, a 10 point lead. It's slightly closed in the last few days, but as well with the polls putting the Tories on a majority of at least 60 seats. So I think I think it's all to play for. What I would say about this election, kind of what I predicted before going in, is that there's there's been a real sort of blame culture at Westminster. Parties have been blaming each other. So, you know, Lib Dems have been saying, oh, look at Labour's Brexit policy. You know, they, they, they neither leave nor remain. Uh, Boris has, has actually blamed the whole House of, uh, House of Commons for the fact of actually um, calling this election in, in the sense that, you know, they block Brexit, Parliament, there's been impasse in Parliament, the Parliament's broken, all this sort of rhetoric from Boris. So he's been blaming Parliament, whereas, you know, Jeremy Corbyn has, has, has literally attacked Boris for, um, you know, trying to rush through Brexit, you know, lack of uh, par- parliamentary scrutiny on his deal that he managed to get. And Corbyn's also, you know, he's blamed um, Boris Johnson, you know, for the prorogation that we saw over the summer and the, and the way in which he tried to, you know, he's basically bringing our parliamentary d- democracy into disrepute. Just uh, repeat. So, yeah, this election has been it's been really interesting from it from kind of a neutral perspective, and I think there'll be a few more twists and turns certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's quite a few interesting things there. I mean, I, I let's just focus on national health service. I mean, so Corbyn released these redacted documents yesterday. Um, Guido unsurprisingly published them about a minute <laughs> as soon as he got on the stage. I um. 
just doing a bit of investigatory journalism myself, uh, even though, you know, journalism is not where I'm going to be in, you know, in the next 10 years. But no, you know, just, we're, we're, you all never journalists, know. we're all journalists to some extent, you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> what Backbench is all about. Um, so, yeah, I did my own investigatory journalism. I mean, so the word NHS was literally mentioned only four times in the 451 mm. pages. Do you think he's overcooked this? Well, that's certainly like claims that, you know, in Andrew, Andrew um, Neil's interview, you know, he certainly made that point as well. In terms of overcooking it, I think there's been a real focus on Labour on their part, you know, about the NHS because it is such a vote winner. It's probably the single most important issue for the country right now. Um, there's been sort of no... Boris has tried to, you know, he's constantly said that NHS is not for sale, as has the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock. But we've seen sort of in small sectors, you know, over time... There has been a shift towards uh, privatisation. So I think he's been right to target this issue, but whether this document will have the intended effects that he's desired, I'm, I'm not so sure about, you know. I mean, it's interesting there that you said the NHS was the most important uh, issue at this election because my next question that I'd prepped was uh, literally, um, apart from Brexit, what <laughs> do you think is the biggest issue facing the country? I think, it, I mean, just to go on, I think it's interesting that you think that the NHS is the most important issue because, I mean, I personally believe if it genuinely was for a lot of people in the West Midlands where we are now and, yeah. like, in Yorkshire and the Humber... Um, Perhaps the Labour Party would be doing a bit better in the polls. I mean, I read this morning that they're planning on shifting their strategy and to actually like stop seeming like a Remain party in these regions because I think it's really hurting them in the polls. Would you not agree? Mm. I, I think, first of all, we have to take a step back and actually realise what Labour's position has been. They've had to cater to, towards both Leave and Remain because obviously they have seats in um, these West Midlands, in the North, which voted to, to Leave. So I think... I think the biggest problem with Labour's uh, policy, if I can quickly get onto that, is I don't think... There's been a lot of attack in the media about Brec um, Jeremy Corbyn being neutral, so on and so forth, you know, um, Nigel Farage, leader of the Brexit Party, and also Joe Swinson, leader of the Liberal Democrats. Both of them have complained, have criticised Corbyn, complained about his lack of leadership on this issue. But I think, as um, Sky News political editor Beth, Rig Beth Rigby rightly pointed out, I think the biggest problem with Labour's Brexit position is that they're, asked, they're essentially asking voters to go in blind, uh, no matter what you think about Boris Johnson or Joe Swinton, at least, you know, with the Liberal Democrats, they firmly want to stop Brexit. They want to revoke Article 50. Boris Johnson, on the other hand, and the Conservatives, they want to uh, get Brexit done. They want to pass a withdrawal agreement. <laughs> I had to slip it, it there. You I had, to, it I had to slip it in. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> get Brexit done. You know, we also talk about take back control. You yeah. know, the three, three letter slogan and its impact. But anyway, yeah. So, you know, we know firmly what the Conservatives want to do. We know firmly what the Liberal Democrats want to do. But if the uh, electorate are going to vote for Labour, they don't actually know whether the party will leave or remain. So I think that's the biggest problem that Labour currently have, trying to, you know, facilitate um, both sides of the party, you know, being uh, remain or leave. And you've also got um, the front shadow front bench. Most of them have said that they would back remain, which um, I don't personally believe is wrong, but it's, it's certainly hard to, you know, for Labour to cater that position. So I think it's much... We need to literally understand why they've had this sort of, you know, neutral, a sort of more nuanced approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to move beyond, like, party politics and policies, just uh, as a nation, as a United Kingdom, do you think we're becoming more tribal? Um, are, are, are we becoming distinct groups? Because, I mean, when you think about it, I, 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 you know, I side in the opinion that, yes, we are becoming more tribal, but then I've, I've always entertained the view that, Actually, if you look at where the Conservatives are getting a lot of their new voters, yeah. they're from, you know, towns like 
um, Dennis Skinner's seat, for example, in Bolsover, which you wouldn't have seen anyone voting Tory there for, you know, decades. Um, so are we becoming more tribal or is this just something that's come about as a result of, um, or, you know, our addiction to Twitter? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great question on the on the issue of whether we're becoming more tribal. I think yes and no. I'm sorry to take such a fancy position, <laughs> but I think yes, definitely in the sense that um, the basically the uh, 2010 election with the hung parliament, we saw you know the shift and the movement towards coalition, you know, a bit more consensus within British politics. But now you know we've seen we've seen we the 2015 election basically saw the end of that, and you know. Uh, Labour of shifted more towards the left under Corbyn's tenure as lead, leader, and also you know you've had a lot of commentators and the general opinion that the Conservative Party has morphed into the Brexit Party under Boris Johnson's um, short premiership so far, and I think he's actually at least he won't end up. I don't think he'll end up as the shortest serving prime minister, so at least that's good for him on his side. But yeah, I definitely think there's there is a distinct tribal element um, within within British politics at the moment. And like you said about Twitter, you know, a lot of engagement, <coughs> there's a lot of attack on um, young Conservative voters that I know, you know, at university, um, because, you know, the majority of, you know, university students are left-leaning and Labour. But I think um, my issue on the basis of tribalism is the fact that there's a real sort of gap and a lack of uh, debate in engagement. Like I said, you and I coming into university, we had di different and opposing political views, but we're actually able to engage, we're actually able to talk. I think one of the problems right now in politics is that, like I was saying before, there's literally this blame culture, you know, you know, uh, Labour, the party of spend, Labour going to take away your money with these huge taxes. Oh, the, the Tories are the nasty party. The Tories hate poor people. There's so much tropes and narratives being projected, whereas we're actually not taking the time to debate on these issues. So, yes, I think there is... Um, a sense of tribalism and as I said no on the other side you have to think about the fact that um, the 2016 EU referendum has created a new uh, sphere in British politics so you've got leave and remain so this election has been dubbed the Brexit election where people will be voting on the issues where like where um, commentators said that is likely most likely that people will be voting simply for Brexit you know and on the other hand, Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party have tried to shift the narrative back to domestic issues. So looking at the NHS, looking at funding, because um, I think the reason, like I said, why I'm, I'm a wavering voter in the sense and generally the, the general shift in British politics, like you've got to remember the Tories have been in government for nine years so far. And I think they've, they've basically reached sort of the end of their tether, you know, their policies. You only have to look at their their um, new manif the manifesto that they released last week. 59 pages in comparison to Labour, I think 108 pages. There's no re real big policies. And so um, you only have to look back at what Harold Wilson said, you know, 13 years of Tory rule when um, the Tories went government from 1951 with Churchill until 1964. The Tories went government for 13 years then and the Tories have currently been government for nine years. So the general um, shift in British politics has been, you know, moving from Conservative to Labour. And so with the Tories now being government for nine years, I think kind of the, the general public mood is that they want to change, they want difference. And so in that sense, I think um, going back to the issue of tribal politics, there is certainly, you know, the shift from Conservative back to Labour. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'd just like to echo that. I think, you know, we can have our different political views, but we have to be careful not to, um, not to misrepresent and not to kind of, not to call each other names. Yep. And I think... 
I mean, well, again, I'm letting a bit of my political view show here, <laughs> but I think something that's happened within the Labour Party, especially through momentum, is that there is this very, very strong sense of kind of a kind of self-righteousness, you know, a kind of look at me, I'm so moral and you're evil. There's this kind of, I think, momentum has kind of introduced this into the Labour Party. Uh, I mean, just to move on quickly, one final question. Uh, I think you'd probably predict what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is going to be the result? Are we going to wake up on December 13th with a Conservative majority government? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not really a gambling person and, you know, I'd lose a lot of money if I could try and bet what would happen, you know, as with anyone else. It's completely... I already have. <laughs> what, what, which way have you... Well, you've asked me the question, so I'll, I'll quickly go first. <laughs> and uh, I, Like I said to you when we first spoke about this, when the election was first called, I said, and I still, not as much as before, but I still think that, that, that there's going to be a hung parliament. I just think that there's been such a lack of trust in British politics and politicians. I mean, I was catching on on Amasalem the other day and one of the questions was, what percentage of the British pub, uh, public don't do not trust politicians? And staggering seventy nine percent of people said that they of those asked said that they do not trust politicians. So, I I think that there's certainly flaws on both sides. You know, um, Jeremy Corbyn, the Labour Party. Whilst I like the majority of their policies, I think their policies are needed. The issue that constantly creeps up is how are they going to afford this? How are they going to pay for this? And so, um, you know, you've got that issue as well. You know about taxes and. The Conservatives, they've attacked Labour on the issue of um, grant, breaking up the Union and granting Scotland a referendum. And of course, you've got the issues surrounding uh, anti-Semitism within the Labour Party and their inaction you know, to adequately tackle this. Whereas on the Tor uh, Conservative side, you know, their policy of get Brexit done, Boris Johnson, he broke his uh, prime and his core political um, his core political claim, you know, he, he told the British people that he would take them out, do or die, he would die in a ditch by October 31st, and he broke that promise as well. You, you have to look at, in addition, you have to look at Matt Hancock's, the health secretary. You know, he said when he was running in the Conservative leadership election over the summer, he said that um, it would be a complete, to paraphrase, it would be a complete abomination if, if any Conservative leader tried to prorogue Parliament, and lo and behold, Boris Johnson prorogued Parliament and, you know, he said nothing. So there's a real lack of trust, I think, in British politics, you know, saying one thing, doing another. Oh, and the recent, you know, doctoring, the recent scandal over the Tories doctor, doctoring um, Zakia Starmer's interview on Good Morning Britain. So on both sides, I think there's flaws, definitely. And for that reason, I think that a hung Parliament is most likely. I think the most interesting aspect of the results on December 13, when we wake up, we'll be looking at the margins. Jeremy Corbyn's... Um, Tenure's leadership really hangs on the balance of whether he can, you know, if he loses the election, if he doesn't win, by how much, you know, if 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 he um, <coughs> if he only loses by a small small majority, but then has to form a coalition, a rainbow coalition, as some have said, with you know the SNP and the Greens, then he could probably survive, you know, as a few more years as Labour leader. But if he gets an absolute walloping, you know, in the polls as the polls predicted, then it's looking pretty pretty much certain that you know a new leader will have to be elected. So. I personally can't predict what will happen, nor I don't think many people will. I also just want to quickly add that I think we really need to take these polls with a pinch of salt. I know, Mahir, you have a different opinion on that, but polls are only predictions. And, you know, the way people vote when they're inside the booth can, will be very different. And um, like I said, you just can't predict what's going to happen. And I was listening to uh, Brendan O'Neill, the editor of Spike, the other day. He described himself as an ardent Brexiteer, but even he was... Um, 
sort of repulsed at the fact that Boris Johnson, with his slogan, get Brexit done, he's actually minimalising and reducing the scope of Brexit. So there's sort of anger, there's there's distrust, there's uncertainty on both sides of the political spectrum. So I think there'll be a hung parliament. The numbers, I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, just have to wait and see. Mm, that's interesting. Going against the grain there, but <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see. So that's it for today. This has been a very ilm here, Joshi, um, and a fantastic John Aviona. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for here. I really appreciate it.